Parenting Junkie. This is Tracy from Georgia, and I am feeling powerless when it comes to my children's language. Um, use of the words like poop and pee to an excessive amount. Also, recently, things like when they're upset saying butthead. Um, or the one that seems to trigger us the most is when they make a mistake, they will both say, it's a six-year-old and three-and-a-half-year-old, they'll both say, I'm so stupid. Um, and empathizing with that doesn't seem to be slowing it down or stopping it. And I can't literally cover their mouths, and that wouldn't be quite peaceful to prevent them from stopping it. Um, but I'm just not sure what else to do. Sending them away doesn't feel right. Um, if they're obviously feeling bad when they say, I'm stupid, um, and then the other things like the poop and pee just to the excessive amount, um, especially when we're out in public or at the dinner table or things like that. I'm just not quite sure how to hold that boundary, um, and it's making me feel quite powerless and that my kids' uh, language is out of control. I'd appreciate any advice you have. Thanks so much. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for sending in your voicemail. It's so awesome to hear your voice. And thank you so much for being a cherished present play member. I absolutely love being in community with you. To all of my other present play members, we now have this hotline available for you with voicemail directly to me so that I can answer your questions via my podcast here. And I am so excited to be in connection with you in this way. So Tracy's asking about create power because that is the theme in January in present play. We talk about creating power and not feeling powerless as parents and not getting into power struggles with our kids, but instead empowering ourselves, empowering them, stepping into our superpowers and all the themes that go along with that. So really, this is a lot about handling behaviors and emotions and feeling like we're actually capable and equipped and have agency and like we're not feeling helpless in the face of all sorts of behaviors, which is why Tracy's question is so perfect because she's talking specifically about uh, something that we can feel like we have no power over, which is the things that our kids say, their utterance, their words, right? There are certain areas of parenting where you really don't have any physical power over what your kid does, right? Your kid uh, ultimately controls what goes in their body, what comes out of their body, um, and that includes the words that they say. And so uh, this is a great, great question. So I actually want to split it into two because you asked about saying things like poop and butthead and potty talk and just mean words like stupid or idiot or those types of things. And then separately, you also said that sometimes when your child is facing a challenge, they will say, I'm so stupid or I'm an idiot. You know, my kids will say like, oh, I'm such an idiot or I never get anything right or I guess I'm just a, you know, a spoiled kid or whatever. They'll kind of reflect back things that they may have heard, things that we might have said in our lower points. We certainly do say it sometimes, um, you know, and they, not not that we call our kids idiots, but we'll say something like, oh, you're being so spoiled or something. And then they'll, they'll you know, mirror that back in their low moments. And of course, it becomes their self-talk. And the reason I'm differentiating between these two is because I think that one lends itself to a logical consequence type of approach 
and the other lends itself to a natural consequence type of approach, and I'll explain what I mean. So let's start with the logical consequence approach, and I'm going to break it down as practically as possible, because when we want to create power, we really want to feel empowered with tools, with practical tools, with things to say, with scripts to use, uh, to focus on when we're handling these situations. So as always, take everything uh, through your own filter, see what works for you and your family and your value system and your child. Um, but this is kind of what I, the approach that I like to take when I'm in my higher self. When I'm in my lower self, I yell, I threaten, I bribe, I get annoyed, I get triggered. And that's fine. That's human. I forgive myself, but it's also not very effective. Uh, and when I'm in my higher self, this is what I would do when my kids are saying rude things. And I will just reiterate and say that, of course, my kids do this. A hundred percent they do. So one of the things I like to keep in mind is that childhood is a slow, gradual process. Humans have amongst, well, perhaps the longest childhood in the animal kingdom. And that is because they have a lot of learning to do, a lot of prefrontal cortex development to go through all the way up until their 20s, their mid-20s, their brains are developing. And so these things are gradual. It's not like you do this once and you're done. You're going to continuously have to handle, uh, you know, kind of inappropriate or antisocial talk and behaviors throughout childhood, throughout teenagehood. And I want you to kind of buckle down for the long haul of patiently and consistently and um, gradually teaching them these skills. So remember, most of the adults, you know, still blab at the mouth, still say words that are not very conscious or not very kind or, you know, cursing or whatever it is that they might be trying to master and they still haven't mastered it. Um, I know I certainly often lose control of my words and say things that I don't mean or don't want to say. And being careful with your words is this very, very high level hallmark of maturity that most adults I know have not reached. And so to expect that our, you know, four, five, six, eight, nine, 15 year olds uh, would be able to master it is unrealistic. Uh, however, with that, we still need to do something about it. So um, before I tell you what I think we should do about it, um, I want to say that I think there are two very typical responses, and this kind of falls into the bucket of authoritarian versus permissive parenting, right? So when you see a child saying poop, poop, poop in a restaurant, say, okay, they're yelling poop and it's rude and it's annoying and disruptive, um, the authoritarian parent will get triggered, get angry, and come down on them like a ton of bricks, right? They will threaten severe punishment, they will uh, shame, they will say, you know, like if you, if you, uh, whatever, if you do that one more time, you're going to get a spanking or, or something along those lines. And it might be effective in that moment, right? It might be effective in that moment. It might stop the behavior, but it has a damaging effect to the relationship over the long haul. Um, it also might not be effective or it might actually encourage and reinforce the behavior because we're getting so involved and activated. And sometimes when children see that they have so much power over us, that their words, like they just say the word poop and mom loses it. Mom behaves like a, like a, crazy person, um, then that can be such a curious inducing thing or something that really like scares them a little bit, overwhelms them. Whoa, I have so much power. This is such a big deal. I should test this out and try and understand it better. And so they continue down that path and they actually will revisit it again and again and again uh, at certain times because 
it just feels really strange and 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 mysterious and they want to understand it better so they'll actually do it more um so it's not necessarily a very effective way of handling this it also doesn't feel very good to us as parents to lose it and i say that that means we're handing over our power to our children like we're giving so much power to a word uh, to an utterance to just a sound that a 5 year old is making and we're getting activated we're threatening we're yelling, we're bribing. Um, and I think that overwhelms them. And I also think it, it overwhelms us because we're giving away our power and we don't feel good there. That's where we start to feel powerless. None of us want to be yelling at our child in a restaurant. None of us want to be spewing threats or using physical violence to, uh, to, to manage behaviors. We don't actually like ourselves when we're in that space, I think. Uh, we don't actually feel good about it. We don't actually enjoy parenting when we're so activated. And so both for our children and for ourselves, that's not probably the most effective way to handle challenging words. The other side of the coin is the permissive side. And this is the parent who just kind of ignores it. And you've probably seen these parents, maybe you are this parent, where their child is doing something that's clearly disruptive, that's clearly antisocial, that's really not kind or not helpful or really wild or really unpleasant, and they simply ignore it. Now, far be it from me to judge these parents. I've certainly been in that situation myself. Sometimes you know that you're going to get triggered or you know that your child's going through something really hard or you know that your child is differently wired and this is just something that you have to, you know, wait before you can really fully help them overcome it. Um, so there are various reasons that parents might ignore something, but sometimes we ignore because we feel powerless. Sometimes we ignore because we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We can't set a boundary. We don't feel comfortable. Uh, we don't want to be mean. Uh, we want to be a peaceful parent, but now we don't know what to do about this behavior. And so we get very stuck. And ignoring from that place actually also doesn't feel good. It feels like an abdication of our responsibilities. It feels like we're not guiding our children. We're not shaping and molding them uh, in a way that will serve them in the future so that they can actually function in society without being uh, considered rascals or disruptive or unpleasant by others, right? All of us want to raise children, I believe, that uh, other people enjoy being around, right? That other people enjoy their company that we can go with them to a restaurant or a party or out in the street and feel that they are respectful, that they are kind, that they know how to use their words well. I'm sure we're all sharing that goal over here. Um, and so either getting super activated and yelling or completely ignoring the situation or just kind of being like, there, there, darling, please don't do that, right? Something very soft, like, oh, if you stop saying that, I'll give you a lollipop. That probably doesn't feel very good to us either because that is, again, giving away our power. We should have some power over the situation. And when we either get completely activated or actually completely deactivated, in both scenarios, we're giving away our power. We're not feeling powerful. We're not feeling creative. We're not feeling capable of responding appropriately to the situation. Okay. So we don't want to get very activated. We don't want to get very deactivated. So what do we want to strive for? Say what the scenario is we're in a restaurant or with grandma and grandpa and our six-year-old is yelling poop, 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 butthead, butthead, butthead all the time. And it's rude and it's disruptive and it's not kind. And he's saying it to his little brother and we don't want him to do it. And we want to teach him that that's not the type of thing that people are going to tolerate. 
And we want to teach him that it matters how he shows up and how he talks. And it's not okay to just yell rude words when you're in public. So I think what we want to do is really step into our firm, calm leadership role, where we're not going to get super activated, but we're also not going to ignore the situation completely. And this is hard, guys. This is really hard. This is something that we're going to be mastering for the rest of our parenting life. Um, Okay, it's not easy to be present with the situation, to be responsive to it, but not reactive to it. But that's where we're going to drive to um, with this. Okay, so I'm actually going to break it down into steps. And the first step is that you have to center and calm yourself and calm your body down, right? Many of us jump, we react, we respond, we say something back. And actually, we're often talking just as rudely as our children because we're activated and triggered. And so the first step is really like, okay, the child said poop. We've got to create a pause where... Okay, we notice, right? We listen. We have noticed that. And now we're taking our good old time, right? Uh, uh, Our really patient time to just center ourselves, take a deep breath and remind ourselves, as Dr. Laura Markham says, that it's not an emergency. It's not pleasant. We don't like it, but it's not an emergency. And we will certainly handle the situation. So it's a moment where you're just telling yourself, I can handle this. I trust myself. I don't have to jump right now. In a moment, you know, just a few seconds away, I will respond when I've gathered myself and collected my thoughts. So what thoughts are we collecting? Well, where I want you to orient yourself is to state clearly to yourself and calmly to yourself and to your child what you do want to see. So often when a child says poop, 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 we say, don't say poop, right? Stop saying that word. Stop talking like that. And we're focusing on what we don't want to see. And just psychologically, that's probably going to be less effective than orienting ourselves towards saying clearly what we do want to see. So certainly a child who's six, for example, understands what respectful language is, what talking um, politely is. So we can say very clearly something like, I want you to speak politely right? Or I want you to speak quietly, or I want you to use kind words or respectful words. And we're going to state very clearly what I want, not we don't speak like that, or we aren't, you know, uh, it's not okay, etc. We don't linger on the no, we linger on what yes. And just in terms of brain reactivity, that's a better way to orient them. Because if I tell you to think of a pink elephant, you're going to think of a pink elephant. And if I tell you not to think of a pink elephant, you're still going to think of a pink elephant. So we want to tell you what to do, not what not to do. Because if I tell you don't say poop, you're still thinking poop, poop, poop. But if I say do speak kindly, now I have planted kind words right into your brain. So center ourselves is step one, staying calm in our body and stating what we do want to see very clearly. Now, here comes the logical consequence part. If your child is behaving in a way that's socially disruptive, okay, that's unkind to other people, that's rude in a public setting, something like that, then 
we can't just rely on the natural consequences that other people aren't going to like you very much, right? Because we really do need to guide them and make sure that other people will like them and that they will be in good social standing and that they will be invited back and that grandma and grandpa won't be deeply hurt and that kind of thing. And so we need to rely on a logical consequence. And if you think about it, what is the logical consequence for speaking rudely at a restaurant? Well, if an adult starts yelling profanities at a restaurant, they're going to be asked to leave. Um, They're not going to be invited to stay in that space. And the same should be true for a child. I think you can just make it really clear you know, what happens if you don't listen to what I'm saying to you. And it basically is not a threat and not a punishment. I'm not trying to inflict pain on you. This isn't some arbitrary, um, you know, revenge. I have no vengeful tone in my voice. I'm just giving you really dry information about what happens when you speak that way in a restaurant or what happens when you talk that way to grandma and grandpa. Like if you yell poop, at the dinner table, you're going to need to leave the dinner table. Just like if I was yelling poop at the dinner table, I would be needing to leave. It's not an appropriate behavior for the dinner table. And so once you say what you want to see, I want you to speak respectfully. And then you say what happens if they can't, right? When you speak respectfully, you can stay at the dinner table. If that's too hard for you right now, you'll be asked to leave. You'll need to go somewhere else until you can behave appropriately for the dinner table. And I just want to reiterate a lot of people are like, oh, it's punishments. I don't think so at all. I don't think that this is punishment or you could call it punishment if you want. I think we need to teach our children just what the results of certain behaviors are and what is expected. And I think we owe that to them so that they can function well in society. So if you're yelling poop at a restaurant, you'll need to go to the bathroom (laughs) and excuse yourself, or I'll need to take you to the car until you're ready to speak respectfully. We won't be able to sit here and order you your milkshake if that's what you're doing, right? So uh, that's step, I guess, number two. And then step number three would be to follow through immediately the first time. A lot of us parents get stuck there like, what did I say? Okay, that's your last chance. If you do it one more time, I'm taking you outside. And that's when we start to get activated. And that's when it starts to feel like a punishment. And that's when it starts to feel like we're losing our power and 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 entering into a power struggle. Instead, if we state really clearly, like, I see that you're yelling poop. I want you to speak respectfully. If you can't speak respectfully in a restaurant, we need to leave the restaurant. And then they yell poop one more time and they say, oh, okay, I see that it's too hard for you to speak respectfully now. I will pick you up and take you out, right? Or you can offer them to walk if they can. But but here, the key is that we're doing this from an energy of matter of fact leadership. Like this is just what happens when people yell poop in a restaurant. They just are asked to leave. It's not personal. It's not mean. It's not some big intriguing event. It's just the situation. And I will remind you guys of something that I often talk about is it's just if your child needed literally to poop, you wouldn't start yelling at them. People don't poop in restaurants and it's not okay. And I told you a hundred times. And if you still start pooping, uh, I'm going to uh, do this to you or do that to you. You would just pick them up and take them to the bathroom because that's the appropriate course of action when someone needs the toilet. Um, When someone needs to yell things and they're not managing to control it, the same is true. There's just an appropriate course of action and we follow through on it without anger, without much without much fuss at all, without much um, energy at all. 
And that's what's really important here is that your energy is what creates the power. When you stay calm and confident as a leader, like I know what happens when people yell butthead, they are asked to leave. They are asked to leave the space. Uh, I know that is the logical consequence. It's not a question for me. I don't need to question myself and feel like I don't, I can't do anything about it or I need to gag my child. I just need to make it very clear to them that they're not invited to stay in a space when they can't behave respectfully to the people in that space, whether that's their little brother or their grandparents or strangers in a restaurant or me. It's like, if you can't talk respectfully to me, then we can't have a conversation right now. And that's fine. You know, it's just like, if you need to pee right now, you need to go to the bathroom. That's all. It's not a question of preference or of control. So to summarize the logical consequence steps, you basically stay calm and centered in your body. You state clearly what you do want to see. You make it clear what happens if they don't follow through. Uh, and then you follow through on your logical consequence that you've set quickly and immediately and without back and forth and with very simple nonchalant energy. Okay. Uh, So for example, I want you to speak respectfully. When you're yelling butthead, it creates an unpleasant atmosphere. If you can't stop, you'll be asked to leave. And if they do stop, great. Thank you. Thank you for speaking respectfully. And we move swiftly on. And if they can't stop, then we literally pick them up and go outside and maybe they have a tantrum. We wait that out. Uh, I know it's not pleasant. You wanted to stay in the restaurant. You didn't want to handle this. Um, But believe me, you do that once or twice and the child understands that that's not going to be tolerated in a restaurant and they move on from the behavior as well. Okay. So the second part of the question is when a child starts speaking to themselves unkindly or in a way that we think their mindset is not in an empowering place. Like I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. I never get things right. I can't do anything. Right. I hate everyone. Everyone hates me. Um, you know, anything where I can't do it, I can't, you know, I can't try again. Uh, Anything where you detect a mindset that's, mm, it's just not the thing you want to see in your child, right? And the truth is that here, we can't give them a logical consequence of some kind of follow through because they're not harming other people or destroying property or behaving in an inappropriate way. But we do want to teach them and model for them and guide them through a healthier mindset that will serve them better in that scenario. So the steps are rather similar to the first uh, part, but uh, we're not going to, you know, give them some kind of result that happens. Like if you don't, you know, if you don't stop saying butthead, we're going outside, but rather tell them what the effects of those words are, the natural consequence. So this is more similar to, look, if you keep going outside in the rain without an umbrella, you're going to get wet and you're not going to enjoy that and it's not going to benefit you and it might make you sick. And I want to help you to remember that an umbrella serves you in the rain. Okay, so the first step is still to center yourself. I know that when you hear your child say something like, everybody hates me or I can't do anything right, you can get super triggered. Again, you could get very activated or you could get very deactivated and just ignore it. And either way, you're giving up an opportunity to parent, right? To be a guide, to be a helping energy where you can really 
guide your child towards a stronger mindset in that time and be there for them, right? Be them for be there for them in that struggle. Um, and so you want to center yourself and remind yourself that this is so normal that every child, every single child has to go through various mindsets, various approaches, um, and gradually uh, with the right leadership, with the right exposure, with time, with experience, learn to think about things in healthier ways. And you can certainly help to usher that process along. But you don't need to be like, oh, I've ruined my child. They hear me talking like this and now they talk like that. Or they're always going to be so defeatist or so negative or so mean to themselves or they hate themselves or their self-esteem is low or any of that. All of those concerns really need to be left at the door so that you can meet your child exactly where they're at without that force of energy behind it. So your child says something like, I'm so stupid, I can't do it right? They've tried to do a puzzle. They haven't managed. We center ourselves and we remind ourselves that this is totally normal, totally okay, not a big deal, not a reflection on our parenting, not some doomsday prediction for our child's future. And we state clearly what we do want to see. Ask yourself, what would be a healthier approach, a better mindset when you're failing at a puzzle or when you're not managing to do something, right? Um, so first of all, you could just kindly validate and empathize and say something like, look, everybody feels stupid sometimes. And by the way, this is something you can do in the first step too. Like everybody wants to yell rude words sometimes. Everybody gets angry and they want to call their brother a butthead sometimes. I get it, right? Um, it's not really something I, I mentioned, but I think it is a good step to, to briefly linger on, right? Brief, uh, brief expressions of empathy, brief expressions of explanations to why you're doing things. Like we have to leave the restaurant because it disturbs other people. We have to leave the restaurant because that's rude for grandma and grandpa to hear you talk to them like that, um, right? Those things are good. We just don't want to go into lengthy lectures, okay? So first of all, yeah, you can validate. Everybody feels stupid sometimes. Everybody has a hard time when a puzzle is difficult. This is a difficult puzzle, right? And then we want to say what, why, uh, what we do want to see, right? So calling yourself names is not going to help you succeed, right? I want you to focus on what you can do. I want you to focus on the ways you have succeeded, right? Um, I want you to focus on your abilities. I want you to focus on your gifts, right? When we face a challenge, focusing on the next little step that we can take is going to really help us. And the point here is teaching children what advances their agenda and what takes them away from their agenda. And this is true in both cases, right? It doesn't advance your agenda to yell poop in a restaurant because we're going to hesitate to take you to a restaurant again. It doesn't advance your agenda to call, to, to say butthead a million times at dinner time because you're going to make everybody around you frustrated and tired and on edge and irritated with you and much less likely to give you the things that you want and take care of you. It's just not going to garner the type of responses in other people that would serve you best and would serve your interests best. And we want children to learn that. It's like if you want people to treat you well and to help you get what you want and to order you things in a restaurant or to take you to visit grandma and grandpa or to cook you a lovely meal and sit down and eat with you, then 
you have a responsibility, dear child, to make that pleasant for the people around you. You have a responsibility to have uh, table manners and to be polite to other people and to use your words kindly if you want to advance your own self-interest that people should treat you well. And the same goes here. If you want to be successful, if you want to overcome challenges, if you want to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to be really strong, if you want to be really healthy and really capable, calling yourself names, speaking to yourself in unkind ways, uh, consistently lingering on defeatism isn't going to serve you very well. It's not going to get you where you want to go. If you stay focused on feeling stupid, then you'll get more of that feeling and it won't help you work through the problem and then you'll feel even more stupid. And we really want to teach our kids the power of the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Or the power of the law of attraction, where what you focus on and what you linger on brings more of it about. So instead, when you're having a challenge or when someone wasn't kind to you or when you feel a bit down, we want to reorient our focus to the solution, right? And what we're teaching our kids here is that our words have power over us. What we focus on, we get more of. Um, And so we have to ask them, look, do you want to be someone who learns to succeed even when it's tough? Or do you want to be someone who gives up and yells at themselves and is mean to themselves when they're having a hard time? Right? Who do you think would be a better person for you to be? What do you think would lead you more to the success that you want to see? If you want to succeed, you're going to need to focus on what you can do, on the ways that you can overcome, on the ways that you're smart and capable and interesting and curious and on the people who do love you and on the uh, relationships that are great for you. And so here the steps are very similar in a sense is that we stay centered and calm we state clearly what we do want to see. I want to, I want to hear you encouraging yourself. I want to hear you focusing on what you can do. I want to hear you focusing on try, try and try again. Um, and then explaining what happens and why that, that follow through is important because of the natural consequences that if you don't focus on what you can do. If you instead focus on what you can't do, you're going to feel low. You're going to have less ability. You're going to have less energy. You're going to feel even more stupid because you focus on that. And it's not going to help you very much to get to where you want to go. In essence, we're saying it's an ineffective strategy. In both cases, it's an ineffective strategy to choose disrespectful, unkind, or unhelpful words or words of criticism, right? And that's something that we want to get across to our children. It's not just that you're doing this for me. It's that you're doing this for you. Do you want to be the type of person who who disrupts people at a meal? Do you want to be the type of person who calls people's names? Do you want to be the type of person who's always focused on feeling stupid or feeling like a loser? Or do you want to be the type of person who builds people up around you, who uses kind words, who makes people feel great, who makes yourself feel great, who focuses on your ability, who focuses on being uplifting and encouraging? And of course, we all have those down moments. We all sometimes feel stupid. We all sometimes feel like yelling a rude word. Um, But even with those feelings, we can reorient ourselves and choose, make a better choice in that moment. And I'm here to help you do that. Okay. So dear Tracy, I very much hope that that helps. I want you to really remember that the energy with which we have this conversation is probably the most crucial aspect because if we're highly triggered and highly, um, 
activated or completely deactivated and detached, uh, then again, we're abdicating our power and we're feeling powerless and it becomes a power struggle where children suddenly realize that there's this whole intriguing aspect to this behavior and they should continue to explore it rather than this kind of matter of fact look, this just isn't helpful. This just isn't the way we handle the situation. If you're going to pee in the middle of the living room, I will remove you and take you to the bathroom. It's just not appropriate. Um, you know, if you're going to yell rude words or if you're going to talk to yourself unkindly, it's just not a good strategy. It's just not going to get you what you want. Uh, let me help you move on from that. Not because I'm super angry. I know how to talk to myself. I know how to handle my words. I'm here to help you with your best interests. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste. Thank you.